We're continuing our conversation around something that I think is pretty, pretty significant to us in light of the way that we as human beings tend to live our lives. We want to talk today a little bit about what it means for us to live in the present. Now, how many of you are doing well with that? Sometimes we only live in the present when there's a present problem presenting itself. Have you noticed that? Suddenly your spiritual life goes through the roof. Yes? When you've got a problem, talk to me. Or if we want something to happen, we live in the present then, don't we? We want to be vigilant about seeking what God is doing, what God is saying at moments like that. But I believe that we're meant to live with a conscious awareness of the now and the here throughout the whole course of our lives. And I've learned a couple of things. I don't know if you recognize this, but I'm not 21. Has anybody noticed that? No. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Camera never lies. Have you noticed that older people tend to live reflecting on the past? Anybody over the age of 12 here this afternoon? Have you noticed that older people tend to look back? Do we have any older people in the room this afternoon? No. Well, we're going to pray that that lying spirit comes out of you because from where I'm sitting, there's a lot of white hair going on. And I, any older people? Have you noticed that when you talk about things, you tend to reminisce or romanticize about times or seasons or days? Yes? Why do you think that is? Why do older people look back across their life? I think that the only conclusion I can come to is that they anticipate that there is much more behind them than there is ahead of them. Or maybe their hearts over time have grown a little bit weary in being optimistic and indeed futuristic in the way they think. And so they reminisce about what was. There are Christians who do that all the time. Do you remember the good old days? Let's talk about the good old days. When Jesus was alive and the power of the Holy Spirit was working in the church. And, and when I first became a Christian, I would hear these people talk about what God did back then. Those were the days when the Spirit moved in power. I remember once in the church I was pastoring in Glasgow, a lady came to me and she said, I was here when George Jeffries preached. Now, if you don't know anything about George Jeffries, he was the person who was the founder of the Elam Pentecostal Church. He's a great preacher, a great miracle worker. God did exceptional things. But she didn't leave the sentence there because she was trying to make a point. Now, there was a man of God. <laughs> Which pretty much summed up how I was feeling that day. So she was reminiscing about a time when something happened, when God moved in power, when there was a reality of the Holy Spirit breaking out in all kinds of things. And sometimes older people, particularly older Christians, they're a little bit romantic about the past. My father always used to tell me stories of how he walked 15 miles to school in his bare feet. I don't know, there wasn't, it wasn't 15 miles to the school, so I don't know where he was going. And I know for a fact, talking to his family, that they had shoes. So somehow in looking back, Things had got bigger. They somehow got larger. The problems and the promises and the good things and the bad things somehow seemed larger in the past. And then there's another group of people who are always futuristic. They want to get somewhere, be something, have something, do something with their lives. 
You know what it's like when you're eight, you want to be ten? You're a little bit irritated by being eight, aren't you? Does anybody remember back that far? Come on, tell the truth. Some of you vaguely remember it. And when you become a teenager, which seems like a huge milestone in your life, have you noticed that some people want to be 18? They think that they're going to have the best life possible when they get to that particular place. And they get to 18 and they realize it was 21. And so they've got a couple of years to adjust and they think that when they become 21, suddenly they're a woman or a man. How many of us know that it takes more than a number on a birthday card to make you a woman or a man? And, and then, of course, they want to go to university. And, of course, that's a great thing. And they think going to university is going to give them the life that they are looking for. And then they realize it was the life they weren't looking for. And they get the debt they never asked for. And then maybe when they find Mr. Right, or maybe just even Mr. Right now, they believe that he is going to bring them fullness and happiness and joy to discover that he's as broken, as needy as they are. And then maybe when they find Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright or whoever, not Mrs. Wright, Miss Wright. <laughs> Let me get it right, okay. Miss Wright. They realize that marriage is the ultimate goal and they get engaged and there's a sparkly ring and that's just the men that get that. And then the women get this glorious, beautiful wedding day. Hopefully they enjoy it together and life begins. And of course, with marriage comes mortgage. Kind of have a partnership together. And then, of course, the ultimate goal is to have children. <laughs> and here's what I've discovered as people who are futuristic in the way they think is when they move forward into the next season, they always want to be in the last season. How many of us believe that moving forward and finding Mr. Right or Miss Right actually was the goal and then we discovered that when we were single, we had a better time? Have you noticed that? Now, please, I'm not touching anyone's pain here this afternoon, I hope. Well, then you find, Miss Ryan, you think, well, if only we had a mortgage, and then you save, and you work, and you get a mortgage, and then you sit talking, you think, do you remember the days when we didn't have a mortgage? We could actually afford to buy something to eat. Do you remember those days? Do you remember those days when we could afford a four-pound coffee from, now you're on the instant stuff, and your partner's blowing on it to make it frothy? And then the ultimate is to have a family, and you have a family, and every single night you wake up at one, two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, as this bundle of joy enters your world, and you think back occasionally, if you're honest, do you remember the time when we didn't have kids? Do you remember the time whenever you could actually go somewhere in 20 minutes? Now it's two weeks planning. Do you remember that? And have you noticed that sometimes when you get to the place you think that's going to make you happy, you look back and you realize that you probably were slightly happier back here. You see, time is a funny thing, but most of us, if we're honest, we either live regretting our past or trying to work the adventure up into a froth or a frenzy so we can have a future. But listen to what this says. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, try as best as you can not to live looking over your shoulder what has been or even 
moving too quickly towards what could be. But if you truly want to know life and its fullness and its blessing, live in the present, live in the here, live in the now. Now, I don't know how you're doing with that, but I struggle with that. I struggle with that on a whole bunch of levels. Let me tell you how I struggle with it, and maybe you can identify. I keep this thing on 24 hours a day. Now, I remember a time when we didn't have mobile phones. Does anybody remember those times? Please don't admit to it, then we'll know how old you are, okay? I remember the first mobile phone was like this house brick. A cousin of mine had it, and she used to try and lift it. I think she had one muscle in her arm that was stronger than the rest. If it didn't start out that way, she would say, hello, in her car. I thought it was so posh. And now, you know, these things are so tiny and you can do so much on them. But what would be the worst case scenario is this if I didn't have my phone with me? The world wouldn't be able to get hold of me. How tragic would that be? And I wouldn't be able to look at Facebook. How disastrous would that be? And I'm so distracted by everybody else's now that I'm not living in the here and now. And so I have this beside me 24 hours a day. I sleep with it under my pillow, just in case. And sometimes when I can't sleep at night, I open up Facebook and I look at those who are awake having life. <laughs> if only I was in San Francisco today. If only I was at that meeting, or if only I... I'm consistently deferring the here and now to a there and then, or a place, or a time, or even someone else's existence here on earth. And I'm not living with this clarity or this reality that this is the day the Lord has made. I will never have another like it. It's not coming around a second time. It's not a dress rehearsal for tomorrow. This is the only day I'll ever get like this. This is the only time we'll have this conversation, perhaps, in this kind of way. This is the only occasion when this group of people will be in this location. This is the only time that God will minister to us in a particular way. This is the day the Lord has made. Now, if I'm bad enough with this, I also have this. So I can be in many places at the same time. I can be watching somebody on Facebook and indeed watching what's happening on YouTube, the other side of the world. Now, just in case I'm missing out on something else, I have the television on in the background. And I always have Siri for information. Siri is great at misunderstanding my Irish accent. If I ask Siri what time it is, he has no idea what I'm saying. And so I get this random response from Siri. Now, we've even added a little dynamic to our house, and maybe you can relate to it. It's a young lady called Alexa. So we have this, we have this, we have the television, we have Siri, and we have Alexa. I've got so many places that I can be distracted by, and so many bits of information happening around me, that if I'm not careful, I could be sitting in the room with the people I love the most in the world, and I'm not connecting. I'm not present in the here, I'm not there in the now. Often that becomes the kind of way that I live my day-to-day -day life. And yet in the middle of it all, God says to me these words, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now why is that attached 
to that reality? Well, first of all, I believe that God always wants us to live in the present. You see, you can do nothing about the past. The only thing that the past is good for is learning. You can't go back and relive the life you had. You know, often I look in the mirror and I think, I remember when I was 20 and good looking. I've tried to get into the clothes I wore when I was 20. They won't come past my knees these days. And I can reminisce and romanticize about the adventure I had in the past or even the brokenness that I experienced through the course of my life or even the people that are no longer there or the people who promised they would and they should but they didn't. I can do nothing about the past. And I have little power regarding the future. I can't manipulate or orchestrate I know we all love to believe that we're the orchestrator of our own destiny. I've never heard anything so stupid in my whole life. You see, here's what happens. Life happens to you. You don't happen to life. You can be going on this course and suddenly somebody you think will always be there is no longer there. You can have plans and dreams and hopes and aspirations. And you can have them with the person you believe you'll spend the rest of your life with to find out that he or she had other ideas about spending it with someone else. You think you can have the job you want and live the life you want and go to the places you want? Well, that's great until the gas bill comes. Or until a problem turns up at work and you're no longer employed. We love the notion that we happen to life, but the truth is life happens to us. So if I can do little about what's happened to me, and I really don't have an understanding of what could happen to me, where is my truest reality? I need to live today. And I live today with a clarity about where I've come from, but a certainty about who I'm moving with towards the future. And that certainty is not a human being. As great as it is to have people in my life, there is only one who is eternal in relationship with me. Only one who can promise me he will never leave or forsake me. Only one who abides with me consistently, even in my brokenness. And that's not a human being, that's the God who has chosen to make my body his temporary home. This is the day the Lord has made. We're encouraged by the scriptures to live observing the reality of God in our current context. And I want to suggest to you that that really is a good place to live. I think there's a wonderful world now that's come into society called mindfulness. We want to be conscious and aware, intelligent about the way we think and the way we live, moment by moment in our lives. And may I highlight to you that if you live too much in the past, you will have problems in the present. If you are consistently trying to get to the future, you won't enjoy the reality of the here and now. And if you're moving towards what could be, you will fail to feel it as a reality and consequently you will have difficulty in the way that you think and the way that you live. You will always feel that you're missing out on something. If you live in the past, you will always feel that you're affected by something or someone that's taking place or something that hurt you way back there. But the Psalm 118 reminds us that this is the day that the Lord has made. In other words, today, God has given you a gift. It's called Sunday. This is the day the Lord has offered you. This is the day the Lord, well, he desires to have fellowship with you. This is the day that God wants to connect with you. This is the day that God wants to revolutionize your heart. 
This is the day that you have. And you may not have tomorrow. Tomorrow hopefully will come, but it's not a guarantee. This is the day that the Lord has made. And the psalmist tells us in Psalm 118 that the only response we should have or could have or what really affords to us the best opportunity to, to draw out of this day all of its goodness is this. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, embrace the day with joy. In other words, become present and mindful about the goodness of God. In other words, focus your attention on the gift that today offers you and the one who is the giver of that gift and the opportunities that are afforded to you in the here and now. 34 years I've walked with Jesus and people have been telling me that revival's coming. It's around the next corner. Well, I've been going around those corners for 34 years. I think some would say I've gone round the bend a few times. We live hoping that God will do something in the somewhere up ahead. Not recognizing that he wants to do something right here and right now. This is the day the Lord has made. If I believe that to be of value, then I need to turn up in my day with a joyous dispensation full of curiosity and an appetite to understand what's happening around me. I need eyes to see and ears to hear what God is wanting to show me in the course of the here and now. I need to connect with him. I need to show up in relationship with him and I need to turn up in the world around me. If this is the day the Lord has made and it will never come round again, I want to exploit it for every possibility I can have. I want to be a treasure hunter, seeking the kingdom in all that it is and recognize that as I orientate myself towards that kind of thinking, I won't miss a single thing that the Father has prepared for me. What if I was to tell you today that you may miss the treasure of heaven because you're trying to focus on whenever or however your life will be? What if I was to say today that you could miss the goodness of God trying to reminisce about something that happened to you 10, maybe 15 or 20 years ago? What about turning up in the here and now and saying, God, give me a heart that's full of joy that I can see what it is that you're offering to me in this day. This day is the day that you have given me. It's a gift from you to me. Let me rejoice in it, Father. Let me celebrate it. Let me enjoy it. Let me fulfill your dream in it, Lord, that I may not move past this day without extracting everything from it that you have prepared in advance for me. For the steps of the righteous are ordained of the Lord, and I'm not here by accident. I'm here by design. You have brought me to this place for this time. Let my eyes be open and my heart be awakened to the reality of who you are in the midst of my circumstances. That kind of mindfulness is what's required of anyone who needs to seek or desires to seek the heart of God. God is at work right now. Let me just do a straw poll with you. Perhaps this will help a little bit to make clear the point I'm making. If I was to ask the church generally, what's the devil doing in your life? There'd be a list of things. He's trying to steal from me, pastor. Yes, he probably is because he's a thief. That's what thieves do. Have you noticed that about them? They're always true to their form. He's also a liar. Okay, so if I was to ask you, what's the devil doing today? Oh, he's telling me all kinds of things that I'm not a child of God, that my sin is a problem to God, that... You know, that is brilliant, but I found this to be true. Listen to me, this is important. 
You seem to know more what the devil's doing than you know what Jesus is doing in your life. What happened to us? That we're so distracted by what the enemy's doing, we can't get attracted to what God is doing. If this is the day he has given you, and you can't have yesterday, and you don't know about tomorrow, and the enemy's trying to steal from you, let me ask you this question. What is God trying to reveal to you? What part of his nature is he currently exposing to you? What upgrade in your relationship with him does he afford you through his grace? What fruit of the spirit is God working in or working on in your heart and your life? What promise is being fulfilled that you had years ago but seems to be turning up in your here and now? If this is the day the Lord has made, you will never see those things unless you rejoice. Now rejoicing isn't singing songs and clapping hands. It's having a dispensation of curiosity and inquiry. Turning up mindfully in my current reality and gazing gloriously into the face of Jesus and saying, who do you want to be for me today, God? In the midst of what can seem very ordinary, I can have this extraordinary connection with the God who makes all things new. Why would I therefore live from my past to my present, or even from my present to my future, when he is present today? Where his abiding love is available today? Where his kindness can change everything in my heart and life today? Why am I always searching for what's happening tomorrow and not paying attention to what God is doing today. If this is his gift, do not strike his hand or move it from you with your desire to look back or even forward, but reach out towards him and say, Lord, I receive what it is you have for me. God, I want to live in the here because I know that you're right here now. You see, as I read through the scriptures, I realize that Jesus lived in Mary's now. He was there present in her day. Conscious, she was aware of the gift that he was to her. I can see that Jesus was real in the way Peter lived his life on a day-by-day -day basis. He wasn't waiting for revival to come or even for the Son of God to be crucified. He enjoyed the sweet company of the Savior moment by moment, day by day. So much is missed looking back. So much can be stolen from us trying to look forward. But this day the Lord, in his grace and his mercy, offers you the gift of life. You have breath in your lungs. That breath is not just for you to cuss somebody. It's so that you can speak life over the promises of God and bring yourself into a deeper place of relationship with him. That breath is not for you to complain about the politicians. Don't you complain about the politicians. Let the politicians be Jesus' gig. Okay? You keep your eye focused on the prize. And that is to know him. And somehow to know him in the here and now will cause you to become like him. God didn't give you a tongue so you could just prophesy to the nations. Can I tell you what prophecy is about? It's about revelation. If I speak something out that the Spirit has shown me, it's not to tell you how good I am. It's to reveal to the world how great God is. 
Prophecy should always lead me into intimacy. It should not lead me into a sense of pride or arrogance around that which God has revealed to me. I only have what he's given me because of his grace, which is sufficient for me. I live in the here and the now when God speaks gloriously. This is the day the Lord has made. You can do nothing about yesterday. You know, I've spent so much of my life trying to figure out what happened to me. And I didn't spend enough time figuring out what God wanted to be for me. I spent all of my life trying to become what I think I ought to be. And I didn't realize that God turned up in my day-to-day gloriously. This is the day the Lord has made. Turn up, please, church. Show up, please, church. Rejoicing and full of joy and gladness. You can live without this. You can certainly live without this. And if you have a remote control, which we do, we have two for every television because we can't agree on any station, then put them to one side because there are people and conversations and moments and revelations that will not come around again tomorrow. They can only be given to you today. So this is the day we get to be mindful about the reality that God is present with us. And as we live with that reality, we become people who seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness and goodness, knowing that everything else that seems to distract us will somehow come towards us when we make him our greatest priority and we turn up with a sense of humility and say, God, teach me how to live in the here and now.